Curly Q Links from oh, the Three man. Stooges. Such yeah. a deal. It is. It's quite a deal. Hey, uh, it's the bro show. We're doing another bro show. This is episode 22 of season 10. Season 10, the season of the whale. And we, wow. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I know. And uh, by way of introduction, my, my name is Jerry. And my name is John. We are actual brothers. We talk about four things every Saturday morning, and we re- record them. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> there's that. There's so there's evidence. evidence. We, there's evidence. Yeah, we documentation. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> do, the four, four things we talk about. We have a whale story. We talk about. We have a word. We talk about. We have two takes on a given topic of our choice. And last but not least, we John tells two groaner asks two groaner jokes in the form of questions, and I have to come up with the answers. So groaners, you're on a roll because you did two yes last week. So uh, I'm, I'm mm, hoping pressure. you keep it up. Pressure. You know, one thing I'd like to say about this episode, it's a whale of an episode. Oh, no. <laughs> I think I think we're going to have some, some management problems with the talent today. I can feel it. I can feel it. You, oh, I feel a suspension in my near future. Yeah, <laughs> you might get suspended again, again. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's been a while. So it has. What hey, okay. Well, listen. I am. I I dug to the bottom of the vault and came up with the Bro Show uh, T-shirt, the infamous concert we did at Clark Street Hall House oh, with, wow. with the the set, set, set list, list uh, on the back, which yeah. uh, it, it impresses just about everybody. <laughs> Yeah, it does. It's very impressive. It's a very and, impressive set list. Yeah, and you know, some of the people who were there who were intoxicated enough were actually pleased with the the concert as such. The concert I put in quotes. Yeah. It, it it was it was I would call performance art at its best. That's it. That's <laughs> it. Thank you. Thank you. Oh hey, uh, Oh well. I am wearing the what season of the rat t shirt, the one that says the one that says at the bottom, it's my season, bitches. This is a this nice. is a rat with an attitude. I have to tell you, mm. it's Why pretty we... though. It's pretty. Soft. Well, it's very soft. We get a spot. You know, I I think. What? We forgot anything? I think okay. we can go right onto the sponsor, can we? Go ahead. I think we can. Hey, listen, we have got a sponsor, and of course, oh, it's really? Save the Whales. Wow. Yep. And yeah. this sponsor is a uh, nonprofit organization founded back in 1977 by a woman, Maris Stiddenstacker, and she used as a means of funding to start her nonprofit uh, the sale of T-shirts, which we are, which is near and dear to our hearts. Oh, so yes. um, what's what's happened since then is uh, that they basically uh, their nonprofit mission is to educate young people with respect to the importance of whales in our lives on Earth, et cetera. They are located in the uh, Pacific area of uh, SoCal. So uh, they also do special projects. But the fact is they've got a they've got a lot of swag. I mean, their merchandise is pretty oh. impressive. Oh. So maybe you could give us a little – some oh, beats yeah. on how people can, can become the owners of such merchandise. Well, uh, say the whales – 
it's a it's a it's a website, and we have a link to it in our show notes, which you you can see on our website, our Substack website. Uh, maybe you've subscribed and you get an email every every Saturday or so. You know, you should check it out. You go to the site and get yourself a T-shirt, or just donate directly to the organization. Either way works just fine. And I have got one of these T-shirts thanks to uh, my brother John, who got one that didn't fit him. And so he sent right. it to me. I get his cast offs. I have for seventy three years. <laughs> Hand me downs, huh? Yep. <laughs> so there it is. Wow, what a what an yeah. organization. Met the test yeah, of time have. since seventy seven. Been around. Yep. 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 Not as long as us, but pretty long. We have a video with respect to our whale story, and I was very, very impressed with respect to some of the uh, attributes, characteristics of this uh, often uh, neglected animal because it lays low in the ocean and we don't think about it as much as we really should. But this is a really good story about a woman whose life was saved by a whale. She's got th- her name's Nan. You know, her name's Nan Hauser, and she has been hanging with whales for, at the time of this recording, 30 years plus. Wow. And yeah. Very impressive, and uh, she she really does a job. Now, this story, if you haven't seen this video, w- you know, just put us on pause and hit the link in the show notes. It takes you right to YouTube, and you can watch this. It takes – it's not very long. It's, what, 15 minutes, John? 20 at the most? Yeah. I don't even think it's that. Yeah. Not long. Go ahead and 15 watch 15 tops. Tops. Go ahead and watch it, and then come back. We'll be here. We'll be waiting for you. Right, John? Yes. Okay. So, okay, you're back. You're back. Thanks. Watching the video. So, yeah, magic. That was magic. Hey, uh, here's the deal. So, the story, as you know, if you've just seen the video, is about Nan is doing work, whale research. There's uh, two whales in the area where she is. So, she's her producer or whatever they're filming says, go ahead and take a little dip there, and we'll get the cameraman in there with you and everything, and let's see what's going on, see if we can get some footage. So one of the whales comes, you know, at a pretty good clip, comes over to her and starts getting physical with her. And she's getting a little, you know, these are big animals. Uh, I've never had an encounter like this maybe once before with a whale. It's a humpback whale. It's a humpback whale. So long story short, you've just seen it probably. Uh, the humpback whale uh, starts trying to get her out of the water and uses right. a, a number of maneuvers to do so. Not easy because, you know, humpback whales don't have hands and arms and stuff, but they, they have large pectoral fins. And he's, he, he tucked her under his pectoral fin and yeah. then rolled over on his side to get her out of the water. That didn't work, and he started getting frustrated, and he said, I'm just going to face plant you. <laughs> I'm just going to put you on my face. And then and push, push, the hell, push. We're going to get you the hell out of here. And he did that. And he like almost got on the boat. He got right next to the boat with yeah. her. And he, he was being insistent that she get out of the water. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, during this whole thing, she discovered that there was a massive tiger shark chasing her. And right. both of these whales were working it. One whale was in the background smacking the tiger whale around with his tail. And this, <laughs> this, uh, this humpback was pushing her out of the water. 
end of the story, that little epilogue. Yeah. She met up. Epilogue she was, met, up, met up again. Met up again a year and 15 yeah. days later. Very impressive. I think what makes it work for the woman is that she had a vast experience with whales before. So she, as much as she was concerned about the, you know, her safety when she was with the whale, she also had, uh, had enough comfort that the whales in the past have been, you know, very friendly or, you know, encountered her in a very, in a very soft way that's not going to hurt her. So I thought that was important. So she was able to hang in there. Most people would freak out if a, with, the, with the attitude of this whale. But I like the eye contact was pretty cool, too. That's very important. I'm glad you brought up the eyes. Two things came up during this video that we're going to call back to later. One is her citation of Mr. Robert Pittman as a fellow who has studied altruistic behavior in humpback whales. She calls it out during the video. The second thing is the eyes. She'd never seen a whale do that with their eyes, looking, not just looking at her, but the expression. It's hard to get an expression on your face if you're a whale, but the eyes are about it. That's the way you express yourself if you're a whale. And that's all I'm going to say at this time, a little foreshadowing. Go ahead, John. Yes, all good. So I guess we can uh, move on to our word. Let's do it. Altruism. Altruism. What a word. What a word. A-L-T-R-U-I-S-M. The practice or principle of unselfish concern for or devotion to the welfare of others as opposed to egoism. And Mm. um, so you Mm. provide us with, with an example you know, we often think of uh, this in terms of people, and uh, so maybe you could cite your example uh, and talk a little bit about what you've got here. Uh, yeah, this was a study done in Psychology Today, and mm. uh, there's there's a there's kind of a fork in the road, and you know what Yogi Berra said about forks in the road, right? Yeah, take it. That's it. So we're going to take it. Uh, here's here, here's what it is, is that altruism is an interesting thing. There's what they call genetic altruism, and then there's pure forms of altruism. Genetic means you're trying to prolong the uh, life, or, you know, and the extent of your species or your relatives even. In other yeah. words, it's it's easy to say, get out of the way of that car and, you know, jump in front of the car and push a kid out of the way at peril to your own safety. If it's your kid, it's not your kid. It's a little more altruistic. If it's a dog, it's really altruistic. Yes. Because if it's not your dog, it's even more altruistic. So the, the whole study of altruism is, is vast. I didn't realize it until we got this topic how much yeah. it's studied in psychology, and a little later we're going to talk about how it's studied in anatomy and physiology. Right. I think your your points well taken. We, we often think of it in terms of human beings, but we can also look at it in terms of human beings versus animals. Mm. And then we've got the the whole <clears throat> other subject, and that's basically our two takes. <laughs> And our two takes is about altruism in animals. And yes. I think one of the keys for us to take a look at this is to really come up with a definition. And I looked around and came up with one, and it says a behavior performed by an animal that puts themselves 
in harm's way to the benefit of others. So quite often when you take a look at and observe, we can't think like the animals do. And I'm, I would like to think the animals think, particularly the whale, who's got a big brain, thinks better than we do. But as you've already pointed out, as you take a look at animal, animal, and animal, well, that's and you can take a look at it, I think, in three ways. As you've pointed out, it can be within a family, it can be within a species, or it can be one in which between species. And I think yes. the one that we've kind of looked at here, what we looked at animal versus human as it relates to our whale story, there's this yeah. whole issue about can a, a animal act in a altruistic altruistic way as it relates to another species and yeah. you know what's kind of interesting there there's a, an immediate counterintuitive feel as we say well wait a minute i thought uh, we got the old uh, the old darwin theory here survival of the fittest how does that fit into this probably does but it does you know leave you with a little bit of grinding here as to does you mm. know it doesn't quite work so you know I think maybe you can give a little bit on on your background because yeah. you're the you're, you're the animal man here, uh, and I'm the guy who's got little little lacking actually what I would call formal knowledge of animals. But I don't let that get in my way of making my take. But perhaps you could give give an example of where you see it. I mean, you got the whale, you know, other than these doggone pictures you see out there with a with a, a canary on top of a dog or, you know, goofy stuff like yeah. this. I, yeah. Is there really something solid as it relates to this? Your thoughts? Okay. Yes, uh, I believe there's something extremely solid about it. And just by way of introduction to this topic, I would add to your introduction by saying that altruism is what somebody does as the result of empathy good so, i mean not to be confused right? with like a reflexive action correct so what okay. happens is a person has empathy for somebody else's situation and they take action and that action one of those actions could be altruism they're going to do something to help the other person even if it's at their own peril in some way so how does this work with animals? Well, in in that video we talked about earlier, Dan Hauser talked about Bob Pittman's research, and I cite it in our show notes. And you can look it up if you want to. It's in Marine Mammal Science. Now, in looking at this, I looked at some other articles that cited Bob's study. One of them was, you're like this, was Grunge Magazine, which, you know, Ooh. Grunge is not the – when you think about whale brains and empathy and altruism, you're not really thinking much about grunge. But grunge had an interesting take on it. Uh, what Pittman had noted that these whales, they have an arch enemy, and that is the orca, right, the killer whale. Mm -hmm. They attack uh, humpback whales, and specifically, they really like to munch on humpback whale calves. And so it's a major undertaking uh, for humpback whales to guard their calves against orcas. Now, this leads to the other snackage that killer whales really like, which are seals, particularly seal pups. So, there, he's, yeah, he cites <laughs> many situ he cites a situation where in his study where he noticed that humpback whales frequently defend 
seals against orcas. And he was pondering why this might be. <laughs> Believe it or not, one of his his uh, uh, one of his observations was he thinks perhaps humpback whales, in addition to being very mad at orcas, they actually think whale a seal so cute. <laughs> no, right? And I can see, I can kind of understand it. You know, form factor wise, they aren't that different than a very small humpback whale calf. But you know, they they defend them. Uh, they chase off the orcas. They'll move an ice flow so a pup can get off an ice flow without going into the water and getting munched. So Bob Bob does some work in this area, but that's not where we're going to stop. We're going to go one step further, John. Two two people, Patrick Hoff and Estelle Vandergroep, they did a study where they studied the brain of a humpback whale because, like Pittman, they noticed that the anecdotal and, and also scientific literature on humpback whales is off the charts because they perform more altruistic behavior than any other whale. In particular, they said, well, humpbacks are baleen whales, and there's these other whales, toothed whales, like orcas are not actually whales, they're dolphins, but there are toothed whales like the fin whale and the sperm whale and pilot whale and all those beluga whales. So they wanted to know, well, what's the diff here? You know, is there any difference in the structure of the brain? Slice and dice the brain later. They notice that the amygdala portion of the brain of a humpback whale is massive. It's even bigger than that's part of the whale in a toothed whale. And it's even bigger than in a human whale. And what does the amygdala do? It handles facial expressions, believe it or not. Uh, emotions and reactions to emergencies. Interesting. Wow. Very, yeah. Very interesting. Now there's spindles inside the amygdala and around the amygdala that connected to other parts of the brain. You don't find these spindles very often in in animals. You find them in hominids and you find them in whales and they they really find them in humpback whales. Spindles also are the part of the brain that goes wacky when you get Alzheimer's. Well, I applaud your research with respect to whales, and but I do notice that you kind of restricted it to these animals. And by the way, I do feel that whales have a bigger brain than humans, and so as a result, they would have animal altruism at all levels, whether it be within their family. It's not how big. It's not how big. It's not how big. It's the connections. Between the parts of the brain. Well, I'll and, look, look. Yeah, my science, scientific knowledge is a little weak, so I'm no. going to go with mass. What are you going to do? I'm going to go with quantity. I'm going to go with quantity with respect to oh. the whale. Okay, the so okay. size of their brain, not the quantity. You, you deal with quantity, but the bottom line is that you only looked at one animal. I think it's important that we broaden this and take a look, and particularly take a look at species, different Promise species, me. and how me, they encounter. Hold it. Promise me you're not going to do something ridiculous because I gave a pretty good talk just now. You're not going to do something ridiculous. You have to understand my handicap to start out with. I'm a a guy who's is scientific when it comes to biology. Never took it in high school. Never took it in college. So as a result, when I look at animal, I have to go to another source of information. As a child, my roots as it relates to animal encounters resides in only one thing. Looney Tunes. Oh, Looney Tunes. No, I knew it. Yes. I knew oh, it. yeah, yeah. 
it's like, you know, let's take a look at it. Tom and Jerry. Pretty classic when it comes to it. These yeah. these cartoons, this animation, I go to the golden age of animation. where That's where I get my resource. And by the way, I don't have one piece of information. I've got 48 pieces of information, namely called cartoons, with Roadrunner oh. and Wiley e. Coyote. As we take a look at these two animals, we see animals that are, uh, first thing is, my I, I'm a skeptic. And oh. so when I look at it, I always think that there's payback. And we understand that when you have different species talking to each other, first thing is, let's just kind of scratch the whole idea. One, we know that there's a food source, there's foraging. Fine, let's just yeah. take that off the table here. But what we need to take a look at is the, how these two animals, the roadrunner and the coyote, interacted with each other. 48 different episodes do we have to look upon. And there's certain oh. things that we can learn as we take a look at them. One of them is the fact is, is there any, is there any killing? Is there really any, any harm being done to either of these animals as they go through and have their encounters? Uh, really? I don't think so. That's, that's an important oh. fact that cannot oh. be. Oh. And when we take a look at the intercourse, the dialogue that relates between them, they have a way of instinctually connecting and their dialogue is usually considers, consists of just one thing. Beep, beep. And I think that's, that tells the story. The other thing is, you notice that they always stay on the road. They don't wander around. They're always there together. And that's another piece to think. And they're in a specific environment. Let's never take them out of their environment. Let's not do an experiment where we're looking at them, you know, in a in scientific, you know, a bubble, et cetera. We got them in the Southwest American desert. So I think wow. there's really, uh, and you know what, a bigger factor with respect to the fact that these two things don't go, you know, don't seem to be getting along. It isn't the fight between them, but it's the gravity. We notice that gravity probably is the force that both of them need to uh, to, to look at. So okay. probably the greatest harm and what goes on between these two animals is a little bit of hum humiliation. You know, Wiley basically, let's face it. He usually ends up on the on the wrong side of this of this this contest. Yes, so he does. With this, with, by looking at it this way, my feeling is that I don't see any empathy with respect to these two animals, and I'm going to stand by, and I'm not, and I'm one of many uh, people, scientists, scientists, kind of say, well, look, these animals, we can't understand them anyway because they. So I think they could, they could have a hidden agenda. That's it. What is this so, hidden agenda, John? I might ask. Well, the hidden agenda, first thing is we, we saw nothing here with respect to it, but it, it, let, let's, let's take a look at it. There's an example of, for example, uh, crows eating uh, a, a carcass of, a, of, a, of an animal. Yes. What do they do? They call upon you. They go to other crows and other birds in order to say, hey, come on. We got, we're chowing down. We got ourselves a feast here. Let's go for it. Why do they do that? They do it in order to bring friends around them. So that other animals of other, you know, other than birds will not bother them. It's a hidden agenda. They're looking out for their own safety. Bring in the numbers. We're little birdies. We need help. Okay. Call upon the other birds. Are we asking them to come in because we want them to chow down with us? I don't think so. No, you're right. That's you're right. It. But however, the altruism kicks in if they are attacked. Yeah, probably so. Okay. But Good example of altruism, John. Thank you. Got Wait any others? Got any others? By the way, no. But you didn't have any with other animals either. 
I had one, one versus, you know, you got one whale, I got one uh, birdie. And then I got incredible stuff about Wiley and the Roadrunner. Hey, look, wow. I don't have the background you do. Wow. I have to I have to go with, you know. I'm You're asking science. for a mulligan. You're asking for a mulligan here. You're asking for a No, guess. I'm not going to take I, a I stroke. We don't have time for mulligans. Mulligans don't fit into our show. We don't have time for mulligans. Okay. All right. All right. I'm going to stand by what I gave as my information. Okay. I'm sorry. Any conclusions? Yeah, my conclusion is that I do not – I think that the whale is a special situation, and I mm. do feel that other than that, we do not have any strong evidence as it relates to uh, uh, animal altruism between species. Within species, within families, yes. Between, But between species, I don't – it's a little, it's a little okay. bit tenuous. Are you ready for some other examples? Maybe that's what's going on here. Oh, dear. I can see the show is going to go over because of you. Go for it. All right. Please. I can be quick about this. There's two two examples. Okay. One, you will see on YouTube, there's a magnificent video of a female lion who lost her cub, who then goes on to defend a wildebeest calf against a pride of lions. Now, this is extreme interspecies altruism because this mother lion actually stands over and protects this wildebeest who is normally her prey against the pride of lions. What is a wildebeest? I don't even know. A wildebeest, it's a four-legged animal, a herbivore. It's a kind of antelope. Oh, cantaloupe. Oh, okay, antelope. Not a cantaloupe, an antelope, okay? (laughs) Mr. Biology. (laughs) Cantaloupe. Did you say cantaloupe? Yeah. Okay, so one example right there. You can watch it. It's a video. It's on touch. Hey, listen. It's been talked about. You can watch about. it, but, but got, you can't look you want at another specific. No, another? I'm going to give you my bad, bad. Hey, I'm going to give you one little thing about this one. The fact is that that what's going to happen with this yeah. lion, the cantaloupe, I mean antelope, yeah. excuse me, is that she's just raising that wonderful animal so that she can eventually eat it. Well. I don't know if you know this, but but among the lions, you know, humans do that all the time. They pet calf, animals, calf, calves, yeah, and then before yeah. you know it, they're they're on the dinner table. Go for it. Okay, okay. that's your next one. Also, have you forgotten about chimpanzees and gorillas? Here. They do that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They they will find like, and there's video of this also in in YouTube. The my 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 university that I attend every day. Yeah, they there are examples of primates that will protect another small animal of another species against possible prey animals like small cats, you know. Okay, and that's one of the enemies of of primates or panthers in a jungle. I would you know, I would only leopards, have to say leopards. that I would I would like to look at it in specifically viewing it in terms of the danger upon which the the ape has put himself under these circumstances. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but we do need to take in consideration the definition we started out with, which is disadvantage. The disadvantage they put themselves they put themselves in harm's way as, as the ape put himself in harm's way. Okay. I'm, not, I'm not saying one way or the other. I'll have to view the video. That's all I'm saying. All right. All right. Well, I just, you know, little little uh, leopards don't come out of nowhere. They come from mothers, and they're well, very possessive of their children. So if you've got a baby leopard that you're protecting, 
you're gonna you're gonna have to reckon with its mama at some point. So I think yeah. that's a danger. That was that's what I would yeah. say. Well, the leopard and the chimpanzee and the, the gorilla. I mean, that's an, you're giving another example, which I appreciate. Uh, I, you, you do. Know, I, I wasn't sure you. Well, listen, would. I'm going by I, I I'm going by a lot of literal knowledge. I got a lot of knowledge. It's been like 48. Very 48. I remember your 48 <laughs> episodes. That was pathetic, by the way. I cite Static. scientific journals. What do you cite? 48 episodes cite- of The Roadrunner. That's it. That's all, that's well, all you got. I, listen, I wasn't, wasn't going to go into Tom and Jerry. I thought I would give it, keep it very specific. Oh, you were holding okay. back. You were holding back. Well, I, didn't well, I appreciate that. Those episodes, I don't have to have that right now. I'm sure there's some studies that have been done. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well. That's it oh, for well. me. Why don't we have a couple groaners? Take it, John. Okay. We got two groaners. Our groaners have been prov- are provided to us by Vincent Anthony Lauder Jr., commonly referred to as the coach, and he has come up with a couple of winners. So here we go. What do you call 52 slices of bread? What do you call 52 slices of bread? 52 slices of bread. There's 52 yeah. weeks in a year. Yeah. I know that. And there's yeah. 52 in a, one other thing. Loaf. Oh, well. Oh, Actually, uh, no. you, you, go ahead. A, de- a deck of cards. It's cards. Uh, see, I will lie. I don't play cards, so I would have never gotten that. Okay. So go ahead. What, what's that. the joke? What's the joke? Let's have it. Under the other one? No, no. What's the punchline for the first one? A deck of carbs, like rather than cards. Oh, a deck of carbs. I'm sorry, I didn't pronounce it. Boy, yeah, a deck of carbs. That's good, though. That's good. Yeah. I appreciate that. All right. Okay. I'm ready. Hey, well, listen. If you have trouble finding somebody to play uh, cards with. Try solitaire, okay? It's just a suggestion. Okay, uh, let's go on to the next one. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> While I'm watching <laughs> Roadrunner. Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you call it when when fall when uh, when a person falls behind in their payments to their colon for their colonoscopy? What do you call it when a person falls behind in their payments for their colonoscopy? What do you call that when they're behind pay- in payments? Wow, I, I, I'm striking out. I'm striking out. I don't okay, know. Okay, you're you're in arrears. Oh, that's excellent. That's excellent. See, what I tried wow. to do is get the behind in payments. I you said, did. I'm going to I'm going to eliminate that by putting it as part of the question. You're very you're very you're very kind uh, interrogator. I must I mean a questioner. You really are. And I'm working I, on it. You are almost a cartoon character. You realize that, don't you? Yeah, a little cartoonish. That's part of my problem. Or actually, one of my strong suits. Okay. (laughs) All right, John. (laughs) Talk to you later. Okay, bye-bye.